In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, I mean, today is the fourth Sunday of the blessed month of Hatur, and the gospel reading is about the story of the young rich ruler who came to the Lord, asked him what he should do to have eternal life. And the Lord began by enumerating to him the many commandments that were given in both the Old and the Old Testament, and of course, as understood by the grace of the New Testament, that he should live. And he acknowledged that, according to his own conscience, that he had fulfilled all of these commandments, that he had broken them. And the Lord then invited him to the heights of perfection by telling him what he lacked in order to follow the Lord again in the life of perfection. And with this, he left sorrowfully. So it might seem um, that the gospel today is a bit harsh that our Lord is demanding quite a bit from this young man and by consequence that he is demanding much from us in order to enter the kingdom of God. But in fact, what I see is the great gentleness of Christ. The gentleness of Christ which says to us, I accept whatever you wish to do out of love for my sake and there is a reward for everything that you do out of love for my sake and I give you the freedom I give you the freedom to give to me what you desire to give from your heart, and I will reward you again according to the love that you offer me. And so there's this great freedom that he expresses in the gospel this morning, the freedom for us to be minimalists in our spiritual life, or the freedom for us to grow to the height of perfection and to be friends of God in the kingdom eternally. And he simply says, it's your decision. I don't demand anything from from you, my children, but I invite you again to the heights of glory. And each one of us is free to choose. So that's the, the main point I want for us just to reflect on, meditate on this morning, is this great invitation that we have all been invited to, to friends of God eternally. And as we saw in the gospel, the Lord begins by the general commandments, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. And all of these are sort of the, the basic minimum, again, a, a minimalist approach to spiritual life. We have to honor God and we have to respect one another. This is the heart of the law. But then the young man said, I want more. I'm willing to do more. Give me something for myself apart from the general. And that's when the Lord said, okay, you're asking for something specific for yourself. You're asking for what you need for eternal life and for perfection. And he opened up the young man's heart and then he exposed that in this young man's heart, there was something that he lacked. And it was this attachment and trust in his riches. And he said, if you really want to be perfect, if you don't just want to sort of, uh, you know, find an easy way to skid into the kingdom of God, but you really want to be perfect and be my disciple and my friend in the kingdom, then I will tell you what you must do. And this is what he does with each one of us is that he says to us, look, you have the commandments, you have the Gospels, live them. This is the bare minimum that each of us is required to 
put into action in our lives. But then, if we're honest with ourselves, if we are honest with God and we truly desire to be disciples and friends of God, then we will say to him, Lord, I give you the permission to expose what's hidden in my heart. I give you the permission as a surgeon to open up and expose the disease that belongs to me. Perhaps this disease belongs to no one else. It only belongs to me. And if we give him that permission, he will slowly, and by his grace, by, through other people, through various means, he will begin to show you and me what it is that each of us individually needs to rid ourselves of or to acquire in terms of the virtues. St. Dorotheos of Gaza, one of the great desert fathers, he said, Christ's commandments were given to all Christians, and every Christian is bound to observe them. This is, again, the, the minimum. These are, so to speak, the taxes that we pay to the king or to the IRS. This is just the minimum. But in the world, there are also great and luminous persons who, not happy with paying taxes to the king, in addition make gifts to him and thereby merit much honor, favor, and esteem. Thus it is that the fathers, the saints, are not content with keeping the commandments, but they offer gifts as well to God. And this is a very fitting word, this word gift, because you cannot give a gift unless it's something that comes out of freedom, that comes from your own free will and out of a sense of love and generosity, not out of compulsion. So there are those who are content to obey the commandments, and these are like those who pay taxes. It's the minimum. And there are those who offer gifts to God, who go beyond the minimum. And these are the ones who are honored in the kingdom of God. And so the question for each of us is, what is it that I need to give up to let go of? It could be a sin that I'm clinging to. It could be certain attachments in my life. It could be a certain sense of security that I have to hold on to and not willing to trust God on and be vulnerable with. It could be my time. It could be my hobbies. It could be my relationships. There are so many things in our life that if we're honest with God and we ask him to expose what is true and what is false, what is good and what is, what is wrong, that he will begin to show us what things we should let go of, what things we should rid ourselves of, what attachments we need to begin to detach ourselves of. So what is it that I lack? That's the question that if we want to be friends of God, we have to ask ourselves every day. Today, what is it that I lack, Lord? So much of the spiritual life depends on this, what one spiritual father said, depends on this fidelity to our weaknesses, our faithfulness to discovering what is weak in us, to what is the thing that we are attached to. The faithfulness to discovering that is the key to growth in the spiritual life. I must be continuous in that discovery of what's going on inside of my heart and in my mind and my thoughts and what occupies all of my desires and my devotions. What is it that I cling to that once I let go of scares me to death because I know it makes me very vulnerable, perhaps even empty? What is that thing in my life or what are those things in my life? And so, God wants to be totally ours. And this is the message of the cross, that God has held back nothing of himself. 
He has not only become one of us, entered into the human condition, but he has ascended to the heights of human misery and human pain and suffering. And he has done it out of love for us to show that he is holding nothing back from us of himself. And he says to us, if I have held nothing back of myself for you, are you going to hold something back of yourself for me? And this is, again, the question that should pierce our hearts during these holy days where we celebrate the birth of Christ in the world. He demands an exclusive love for us to be perfected. And what is our response? It's like last week, the gospel was about counting the cost. Jesus asks us, are you willing to count the cost of perfection, of discipleship, of love? And he only can ask that because he counted the costs. From all eternity, God counted the cost of himself. From all eternity, he designed that he would take flesh and that he would suffer and be crucified and die for us. This was the great cost. St. Paul says, do you not know that you were purchased with a very precious price? It cost God much in order for him to save us. And so he asks us, are you willing also to bear that cost? So one spiritual father, he gave an example of why this invitation to perfection is so important, because it is the key to our happiness. What Jesus demands of this young man and what he asks of each of us is not sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. It's not sacrifice for the sake of just proving our loyalty to God. But it's sacrifice that leads to happiness. Jesus is telling us, I have the key to your happiness. I have the key not only to what makes you perfect, but what makes you perfectly happy. So one spiritual father said, he he was speaking to a group of people, contemporary people, and he said, I'll use an example. He says, at the train station, we can see the tunnel. We can see the tunnel at the train station. On the platform, we see the birds pecking at the crumbs on the train station. The bird could fly into the tunnel and find lots of food that has never been discovered. But he's afraid. He's afraid of the tunnel. And he says, we are like that too. We are like those birds that are afraid to enter that narrow tunnel and we are content with the crumbs on the station. So what are those crumbs, he says? They are our possessions, our hobbies, our work. These are the things that we peck at and we refuse to go into the narrow tunnel which gives us eternal life. And so another question to ask ourselves is what is it that I will regret on my deathbed if God grants me to be aware and conscious and and, uh, awake and waiting the moment of the departure of my soul? What will I regret at that moment? Some people might regret that they never went uh, bungee or was it jumping off of a bridge or skydiving or... Some people will regret that they never went to visit their favorite places in Europe. But what is it that we as Christians would regret knowing that our moments are just few left? One spiritual father, he said very beautifully, he said, we spend entire years and often our whole life haggling over whether we shall give ourselves totally to God. We cannot convince ourselves to make the full sacrifice. We reserve for ourselves many affections, plans, desires, hopes, pretensions, of which we are unwilling to strip ourselves in order to put ourselves in the perfect nudity of spirit 
that disposes us to being fully possessed by God. These are just so many tethers by which the enemy keeps us fastened in order to prevent us from advancing in perfection. We shall recognize the deception at the hour of our death, and we shall see that we have allowed ourselves to waste our time on trifles like little children. So if we are sincere in our search for God, the greatest regret on our deathbed will be that we didn't give ourselves totally to him, that we held back, and now it's too late. And we will beg him in those last moments to accept us totally to be his. And when we die and our spirit departs from our body, we shall see very clearly all of that which we have foregone because we held back something in our life. So I'll end with a final story, a beautiful story that I said some years ago of two saintly monks who were visited by a third elderly saintly monk. And this is a story that happened in our generation. And the monk who is relating the story is now one of the canonized saints in one of the Eastern churches. He says, a monk, a hermit, came to see us. He was about 70 years of age. He lived at a deserted spot between the monastery and where we lived, in a ravine by a stream in the woods. His face, ravaged, all wrinkled, looked gray and long unwashed. The dark gray hairs of his head and beard looked dirty. His grayish blue eyes were sunk deep in their sockets. We had a long talk with him, and this is what he told us. So this is now the elderly monk relating this important aspect or experience of his life. He says, It is many years now that my soul suffers when I think of us monks. We have renounced the world, left our parents and our motherland, given up everything that usually constitutes life for people. We have pronounced our vows before God, the holy angels, and our brethren to live according to Christ's law. We have renounced our own will and, in effect, led a martyr's life, and still we make very little progress in goodness. Will many of us be saved? I shall be the first to perish. And I see others, too, who are slaves to their passions. And when I meet people of the world, I see that they live in profound ignorance, listless and unrepentant. And thus, little by little, without even noticing, I was drawn to pray for the world. The thought distressed me that if we monks who have renounced the world do not find salvation, what must it be like in the world? My sorrow gradually increased, and I started weeping tears of despair. So he began every night to weep, thinking that it was impossible not only for monks, for, for people in the world to be saved, but even for the monks. And night after night, he, he was in this despair. And he says, now, last year when I was in such despair, tired of weeping, lying face down on the floor, I can only imagine the anguish that he was living in solitude with this despair and these tears every day. He said, and now, last year, as I was in such despair, tired of weeping, laying, fly, lying face down on the floor, the Lord appeared, and he asked me, Why are you weeping? He said, I was silent. The Lord said, Do you not know that it is I who will judge the world? The monk said, I still kept silent. The Lord says, I will have mercy on every man who even once in his life has called upon God. I will have mercy on every man who even once in his life has called upon God. So then the monks, in his mind, without saying it, he said, if this is the case, 
then what is the use of us tormenting ourselves day after day in struggle? So the Lord, reading his mind, said to him, Those who suffer because of my commandments will be my friends in the kingdom of heaven. The others I will merely have mercy upon. Let me say that again. Those who suffer because of my commandments will be my friends in the kingdom. Everybody else that just calls upon me, even once in their life, I will merely have mercy upon. So there is a great gap between the minimum and the heights of perfection. And Jesus says, I will have mercy on if any honesty, any sincere calling upon God, I will have mercy on that person. But do you want just God to have mercy on you? Do I want God just to have mercy on me? Or do I want to be his friend? Do I want to be reigning with him, with the saints in, throughout all eternity? This is the question that he asks that he offers, he answers the question of the young man today. He offers him the answer. May he give us this desire, this eagerness, this fortitude to seek the heights of perfection. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Blessed are they.